It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, August 13th, 2020. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Another Sitkin has been diagnosed with COVID-19. Local health officials announced the case Wednesday. The man is in his 20s and was exhibiting symptoms when he was tested on August 10th. He's the third Sitka man in his 20s that has tested positive for the virus in the last week. This lines up with state and national trends. Public health officials say that young people are driving the spread of the coronavirus more now than ever, and patients in their 20s make up the single largest age group of cases in Alaska. So far this year, 30 Sitkins have tested positive for the coronavirus, along with 13 non-residents. Five of those cases are considered active, according to city data. The Sitka Police Department is nearing the end of a two-year period marred by several lawsuits brought by former employees. At a recent assembly meeting, Municipal Attorney Brian Hansen reported that the last of the three cases, a sexual harassment claim against the city by former Detective Mary Ferguson, is pending settlement. But as that tumultuous period for the Sitka Police Department draws to a close, new accusations of racism and use of force within the organization have emerged, fueled by the growing national conversation around policing. As KCAW's Catherine Rose reports, leadership within the Sitka Police Department is once again on the defensive. Sitka Police Chief Robert Beatty says the police department of today is not the department of the past. When the Sitka Assembly met on August 11th, Beatty presented a quarterly report. Reading from a prepared statement, Beatty decried recent news reports involving past conduct at SPD. There have been recent letters and newspaper articles accusing the Sitka Police Department of sexism, racism, and having a culture of excessive force. I'm compelled to point out that these letters and our articles all state issues from the past, long before my administration and tenure as your chief of police. The articles are media reports on the resignation of former dispatcher Allison Kirby, who published a long letter on social media accusing the department of racially based abuses, and a piece by Coast Alaska News on the rehiring of a decertified police officer to work in the city jail. Based on public records kept by the Alaska Police Standards Council, the jailer had been decertified for police work because of allegations of excessive force against prisoners in his custody. The jailer still works in the department under Beatty. And in a recent interview with KCAW, Allison Kirby says she believes the culture of racism she experienced during her work, immediately prior to Beatty's tenure, had not changed. This is not something that's been addressed and changed. These are ongoing issues. And even under new leadership, even with new officers, these are still happening and they still need to be addressed. Beatty told the assembly that he was hired to address systemic problems within the department. He distanced himself from his predecessors and from conduct he says remains in the past. To hold this current department accountable for past administrations is not realistic or forward thinking. To open wounds from the past does not allow us to continue our growth and move forward. He said under his leadership, the department had established a regular training atmosphere that emphasizes teamwork, respect, and professionalism, had established a clear chain of command, and was ensuring his officers adhered to policies and procedures. But maybe he didn't offer any statistics on use of force or more information on how trainings had evolved under his tenure. Both he and Municipal Administrator John Leach have declined requests to interview jointly with the Sentinel and KCAW to describe the progress that the department claims to have made. In his report to the Assembly, Beatty did point to concrete successes under his tenure. He said that over the past year, the patrol division has gained more full-time officers, with only one vacancy. This time last year, there were six vacancies. 
Beatty also said his officers averaged around 15 years of experience in the field, over double from when Beatty was hired. We are more diverse, representing practically every ethnicity. The department is neater and cleaner, which helps to instill a sense of pride in our work areas and the work we produce. And there is no longer a toxic environment amongst our employees. Beatty complained that Sitkins weren't hearing the positive news about local law enforcement and that its successes were overshadowed by the intense scrutiny policing has received since the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis last May. Just after the national events that sparked this narrative, Sitka police officers handled three gun calls in quick succession. They certainly could have been had bad outcomes, but you didn't hear about them because of their restraint. Since I've been here, on at least two occasions, officers have literally had to tackle persons to save them from jumping off the O'Connell Bridge. You didn't hear about that. Until early this year, the Sitka Police Department published detailed daily dispatch reports, which would appear every afternoon in the Sentinel as the police blotter, which ran for decades. Now, under a new record-keeping system, the daily reports provided to media consist of a single word or two, like traffic stop or officer assist. Except for one incident in mid-June in Sitka's Harbor regarding a man with a knife, KCAW has no record of news releases from the department about any of the activities Beatty described heroic or otherwise. Beatty's report to the Sitka Assembly was billed as a quarterly event. It's unlikely that the nation's efforts to understand its racial history and the relationship with law enforcement will change much in three months. At least one person with close ties to the department hopes to help things improve. Allison Kirby says she doesn't want to take legal action against the police department. She only wants to talk. The question is now, will the department listen? Is the Sitka Police Department okay with being fine or good enough or not that problematic. It's, it's a different question to ask, are we okay enough versus how can we continue to improve? And there have been multiple individuals coming forward and saying, this is problematic. This is unacceptable. This needs to be addressed. And whether it's a part of the national conversation or not, the Sitka Police Department still has work to do. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. Coast Guard crews from Air Station Sitka assisted a fishing vessel taking on water near the northern tip of Prince of Wales Island on Tuesday. Juneau watchstanders received a request for assistance from the 29-foot fishing vessel Clara just before 2 in the morning. The vessel was aground and taking on water near Hole in the Wall, about 5 miles southeast of Port Protection. A helicopter crew responded, lowering two dewatering pumps and a rescue swimmer. Two Good Samaritans also helped with repairs and dewatering. A Coast Guard cutter monitored while a third Good Samaritan from the fishing vessel Eric safely towed the Clara to port protection for repairs. The Alaska Marine Highway System will operate at minimal levels this winter. That's according to an announcement from the Department of Transportation that says the COVID-19 virus has cut deeply into the fleet's fare box revenue. Coast Alaska's Jacob Resnick has this update. DOT's regional spokesman Sam Dapsevich said Monday he couldn't immediately say how much the system had lost due to the pandemic. But we are uh, down quite dramatically, so taking that into account, this was the best that we could do you know, for providing service. Seven vessels will operate between October and next June. There will be some wide gaps in service. In most cases, only one ferry will be assigned to each route with no slack in the system. 
Melina Marvin in Petersburg says the cuts are hitting Southeast Alaska hard. To me, it feels like a mobster breaking somebody's knees and then blaming them for falling down. That's, I think, how a lot of communities feel about what's happening to the ferries right now. She started Ferries Move Alaska, an active Facebook forum that's garnered more than 4,500 followers in recent months. How many sailings each community will receive isn't clear. That's because the state hasn't released a draft schedule and doesn't plan to this year. Rather, it's giving residents this week to comment on a rough operational plan before it finalizes a winter schedule. Usually, Marvin notes, the Marine Highway releases a draft and holds a teleconference public hearing for affected coastal communities on its precise plans for the season. You know, usually there's notification on the local radio. We have several weeks to kind of find time to look over the schedule and try to understand how it's going to be serving the community. DOT officials concede it's not the same as the usual process, but defended the need to streamline public input, saying it was necessary due to the pandemic, low traffic levels, and the associated decline in revenue. Here's what is known. The ferry Aurora's return to service is being delayed from October to mid-April. That's because the state says it needs more steelwork than previously thought. Southeast villages of Huna, Gustavus, Angoon, Pelican, and Tenneke Springs will see a nearly two-month winter gap without service, while the ferry Lacanti is being overhauled in mid-February. And some other villages, such as Yuzinki and Port Lyons on Kodiak Island, have been eliminated from the winter schedule altogether. Also of note, neither of the state's newest vessels, the $120 million Alaska-class ferries, are on the schedule. The Taslina is due to get new side doors. It's not clear when its sister ship Hubbard will finally enter revenue service. The deadline to comment is Friday afternoon. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Jacob Resnick. A crew member of a fishing vessel has drowned near Yakutat. Before midnight on Sunday, the Yakutat Police Department received a call that a crew member of the fishing vessel provider had fallen into the water. Yakutat Public Safety conducted a search and rescue operation, and a diver recovered 31-year-old Washington State resident Franklin Fox. That's according to a press release from the Yakutat Department of Public Safety. Paramedics and clinic workers were unable to revive Fox. His next of kin have been notified. Taking a look at the community calendar. Sitka Local Emergency Planning Committee meets at noon today in Harrigan Centennial Hall. Sitka Health Needs and Human Services Commission meets at 1.30 p.m. in Harrigan Centennial Hall. Al-Anon, a support group for people affected by someone else's drinking, meets noon every Thursday via Zoom. Email sitkaalanon at gmail.com to receive more information and a link to join. 4-H hosts a virtual Art in the Elements camp from Wednesday, August 12th to Friday, August 14th. Guest artists guide campers through different artistic techniques inspired by the surrounding environment. A list of art materials needed will be sent out in advance and any specialty items will be provided. Please contact emily at sitkawild.org for more information. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.